0: welcome to women who sarcast i'm kathy Barron. my guest today is a regular with women who sarcast please welcome leanne harris of shelf aware books podcast
1: hi thanks for having me again i'm so excited to be back
0: I'm totally stoked to have you here again, because I have you know that every book that you will not every book, but I listen to your podcast quite often. And a lot of your books, uh, I totally buy and am reading. So in a couple of those, we're actually going to talk about today because we're going to talk about a little about some books that people can look to for 2021.
1: Well, great. Well, first, I'm glad the podcast is working. That was one of the hopes for starting a podcast is getting people to read interesting books. So, and thank you for listening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love your interviews and you ask questions that are ones that I wouldn't think of. And so it's really cool to hear an interview. That's not your basic talking points that it definitely goes a lot deeper. And I appreciate that.
1: Well, and Same to you about yours. So, yours is always interesting to me because in your interviews or even in your conversations, you will ask things that I think to myself, I wouldn't even thought about that to ask, much less on the fly, because you have to do interviews. Um, So, you know, I think we both can appreciate non standard interview questions.
0: Yeah. And I definitely learned from listening to your podcasts. So one of the things that I noticed with the books um, that are on our list today and others, including uh, the podcast interviews that you do, is that it talks about ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. Is that correct? It is. So can you tell me a little bit about what ACT is and how do you implement that type of therapy? So
1: first off, congratulations on discovering the secret theme of the Shelf Aware Books podcast. (laughs) When I was thinking about doing something more than my bookstagram, my Instagram account, on my Instagram account, I talk a lot about, obviously, uh, self-help books or Mm -hmm. shelf-help. And because I am a coach who's trained in acceptance and commitment therapy or acceptance and commitment coaching, now that we're using it in a coaching context, I, of course, want to talk about the books that I love and the authors and the therapists and clinicians and researchers and social workers who all contribute to that larger acceptance and commitment therapy training and background. Um, So for me, the podcast is a way to get this third wave cognitive behavioral therapy out into the general public. If you're familiar at all with any forms of therapy or CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy is Mm -hmm. the one that most people have heard of. Mm -hmm. So ACT, um, acceptance and commitment therapy, is considered third wave. In other words, it ties in much more mindfulness There's an existential humanistic philosophy behind it. It's got some different dimensions that, and a different way of looking at the world. You know, in in traditional CBT, there are techniques you can use to kind of check your thinking, which is helpful in plenty of situations. In acceptance and commitment therapy, the emphasis isn't so much on changing your thinking, changing your relationship to your thoughts. Mm. And for me personally, that has worked better than trying to change my thinking. I think there's something for everyone out there. My take on this is act and changing the relationship with your thoughts is not as well known. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to play my role in helping this get known to more people so they can find the help they need just like I did.
0: Yeah, changing or shifting I guess, your perception or your relationship with anything, really? There are
1: lots of things like a pandemic. You know, we can certainly get stuck in stinking thinking. Mm -hmm. And no one is going to deny that a pandemic is really not a good scenario. No one would judge that one probably as good across the board. But instead of thinking about, oh, this is horrible and, oh, this is, You know, just the worst thing that's ever happened and going down in that negative spiral, it's much more of a, okay, this is all true. What can I do in this moment that would be towards valued living? There's a very big emphasis on living out your values, being purposeful and mindful of the choices that we're making and the responses that we're having to situations that we have absolutely no control over. I live with chronic illness, um, type 1 diabetes and handful of other things. I can't change that. There's no cure. So for me, that came into play as a way for me to have a different relationship with fears about low blood sugars and you know a more restrictive diet and needing some some exercise that I'm not really a fan of,
0: right, yeah.
1: So I I just find it very helpful. And, and so the books that I talk about and the people that I get to interview are all in an effort to let the rest of the world know there is something else. If you've tried a bunch of things and it didn't work, there is still stuff out there that maybe you haven't heard of.
0: Right. And I think that's great. And I think anyone that out, out there that hasn't been listening to Leanne's podcast, you definitely need to go search it out, and it's uh, Shelf Aware Books Podcast on any and every podcast platform out there. So the four books that we're going to talk about today is, I'm not sure which one you want to do first. I'll let you decide that as far as the order and you th- and the way you th- we think we should talk about them.
1: So I'd, I'd like to start with The Power of Small, because if you're going to pick one book out of all of these that you just want to quickly pick up and you're already overwhelmed and you don't want to feel like you have another to-do thing, I think The Power of Small is a good book to start with. As you can probably tell from the title, it's all about making tiny changes when everything feels too much.
0: Right. Yeah, this is one of the books that I actually purchased after listening to your interview with the... um the two authors and the book is actually quite good I haven't finished it yet but can you give a quick summary as far as what the book's about it's
1: by doctors Ashley Leonard Curtin and Trish Leonard Curtin who are wonderful brilliant therapists and yes they do use acceptance and commitment therapy in their practice So the big idea behind this one is you may have heard the book Atomic Habits and and all these other books that really talk about, breaking things down into their tiniest parts. I think the power, the power behind the power of small is that they take a behavioral look at the things that we do every day that we're not always aware that we're doing. There's a sense of this peaceful mindfulness and awareness that Is not another thing to do and and add to your list of things I need to feel guilty about for not doing enough. Right. They really genuinely care about self-compassion. And it's hard to take things slow when everything feels too much. And it's hard to take a look at our own behavior and see where we might be able to make some adjustments. And it takes a lot of patience with ourselves To be able to make room for one small step different during the day. One small step just in this moment. Don't even worry about the day. I I think the attitude throughout the book is that reassuring, wise friend who wants what's best for you, but doesn't want to make you feel bad when you're going about doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, In a lot of self-help books, they have like that... I know it is bro culture. Hey, just pull it out. Pull together. You can do it. And this is not that
0: book (laughs) at at all. Which is good and refreshing, actually. And I think it's a book that kind of lets you, gives you permission to give yourself a break.
1: Yes. Yes. And even the act of giving yourself a break can be hard when you're, well, we'll use a pandemic and most of my friends, they're moms and they have either full-time jobs or part-time or that they Well, right now, everybody has three full-time mm-hmm. jobs. They're raising kids. They're a teacher. They're having to work, keep a house together, keep people safe, keep up on the news and, and what's going on in the area. I mean, we're all juggling so much. And just the fact that in that power of small, maybe taking up a self-improvement habit right now is not what's healthy for you. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Maybe taking that choice of an extra five minutes with the bathroom door locked just for yourself. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So that you can breathe. That's a tiny habit that you can start to take.
0: Right. Go sit in that bathtub fully clothed with a glass of wine. Don't even need to take a bath. No. No. So what's next? What's the next book that we can look to and well they're out now, but something to look forward to in twenty twenty
1: one. Um, You Matter by Matthew Emmerzian. Well thank you. <laughs> I know. Nice title, right? Makes everybody feel good right from the start. <laughs> right. <laughs> I summed this book up by saying, if Santa Claus wrote a self-help book, this is probably what it would sound like. (laughs) The tone of this book is really what I found very unique. And I went and checked out Matthew's Instagram feed and saw a couple of his stories. And he just seems to be a genuinely nice, caring person. Sometimes author's Written voice versus their speaking voice differ. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I'm always curious if someone has a very, very. Soothing yet powerful voice. What do they sound like speaking? Mm -hmm. And the reason Santa Claus comes to mind is he's so full of joy for life. Yet. Doesn't it's not Pollyanna ish. He doesn't dismiss anything that may be going on. And that's why I thought it would be good for while we're still, still either again, back in lockdown or still in lockdown, where it may feel like the same day has run into the same year. Yes. Groundhog Day. It's like dog ages. 2020 is like seven dog years, (laughs) except for humans. (laughs) We all should like just add seven years onto our age, I swear. The tone of the book, although when you read through it, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I've read this stuff kind of all before. Matthew's voice carries through as that joyful, grateful, it's going to be okay, but there's still a little work we need to do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and many of the tips are talk about, again, that values based living. So this book in particular, isn't directly about ACT, but it is very, very much influenced by making sure you are mindful of your responses in life and in each situation and in each moment, remembering what really matters in that moment. Does it matter that your child doesn't have straight A's this school year in the long run? I'm not really sure
0: it ever did yeah yeah exactly
1: did all the things that we assume mattered i think this year really come into question and i thought this book was a really good example if someone is looking at what do they really want to do with their life now that most of us have at least had a shake up of our old priorities during the pandemic
0: Yeah, and I think that's one thing that the pandemic has is like a shared across the board thing for people is that we're all reevaluating what is a priority in our lives and how we can change that. And it's almost like a grieving process as well because a lot of things that we've been doing is attached to our values and our identity and to clear clean out the closet, so to speak— you have to, like, figure out who you are again. And I think that people feel they're grieving that, that part of themselves that isn't necessarily something that they need to hang on to. To your point, I'm glad you bring up the grieving because
1: if your identity was in the role of hotel sales or restaurant manager, maybe you felt like your life's purpose was... Creating and supplying nourishing food to your community in your restaurant, and you've been doing it 30 years, and just due to the pandemic and not being able to serve people in person, you've had to close at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. That, for a lot of people, is a true reason for grief. They have nourished themselves and others in service. Yeah. Uh, we talk about you know love languages, the five love languages by Gary Chapman is a great book. And I think it totally applies to the pandemic because if one of your love languages is service and then you can't be in service to others, who are you? Mm-hmm. So finding other ways to express those values that may not take the same form that you had been using but can have the same function I think it's something that, that people have been struggling to find a good way forward to do.
0: Yes, and I think it's good that you brought up the, the that it doesn't look like it used to. And that's okay that it doesn't look exactly how you're used to it looking. In a way, that's even better because then you're more open for something to come in to your life that you may not have thought about but it is still in line with, say, serving others. So I think it's important to keep that in mind and be open to those opportunities that come to, to people so that they're still using their values of serving others or whatever it may be. Pivot is the word of 2020. I mean, you have to adapt and pivot and recreate yourself over and over and over again.
1: That's exactly right.
0: You know, we can shout plot twist as a way
1: to try and remind ourselves that we have to pivot. In ACT, we call it psychological flexibility. And it's the whole point uh, behind a lot of the the ACT studies is that being able to respond flexibly in the moment can be learned and trained. And we can take steps to keep our minds sharp and our hearts open and be willing to try new things, yet still grieve the losses that we may have experienced. Yeah, and be okay with that. Right. Yeah. Right. And being okay may mean we're not okay for a while, and that's just the way it works.
0: Yes, exactly. So that kind of brings into our next book, which... I'm kind of going for one, but let me let me hear what you have in mind.
1: Um, so I really like "Be Mighty" by Dr. Jill Stoddard, mm-hmm. and Jill was the. First therapist who I got to interview for the podcast at the beginning of the year. So the book has a special place in my heart because it came out in January before we knew any of this <laughs> was on the ori- horizon for us. Right. So this book's approach is a little bit more of the conversational, even though, again, it talks about ACT and Jill is an ACT trainer, therapist, and her TED Talk just came out last week.
0: hmm Definitely and, check that
1: out. Oh, totally got to check that one out. It is all congruent with that idea of even if we are failing, how are we responding in our lives? And not in a sense of there are still days we all want to crawl up into a ball and hide under the covers and find a way that we never have to come out of this ball until this entire pandemic is over. Mm-hmm making that okay, making that a thing that we just talk about and normalize nowadays. So be mighty doesn't mean become Oprah. We can admire people, uh, and whether your idol is Oprah or Bill Gates or Mother Teresa or whoever your idol is, it doesn't mean to punish yourself if you haven't gotten there during a pandemic, Right, but... To sit back and be okay with as a mom, as a woman, you know, there's certainly some challenges that women face that make things a little bit more complex and how do we respond to all that? So the book is written a little bit more of that female perspective, but it's certainly open to anyone.
0: To me, it's like it, it helps you get a deeper understanding of what you're feeling, whether it's anxiety or depression, and not just like poo-pooing it or avoiding it or shoving it down. It's like really get in there and figure out or find out what's causing it and where it's coming from. Because in the end, that will help you either have less of it or when it does arise, you know where it's coming from and then you're like, okay, okay. This is how I can, you know, take care of it this time. Exactly. Being a human is messy.
1: And there's no book on how to be a less messy human because that just doesn't exist. So books like Be Mighty, for me, are a guide to be able to say, okay, this is going to inherently be messy. It's going to be good. There's going to be bad How do I want to live through all this that doesn't make me feel like a ping pong ball in an ocean in a bad storm?
0: Right. (laughs) That's a very good description of how probably everybody is feeling these days. Exactly. (laughs) And then the last but not least book.
1: Why Bother by Jen Loudon.
0: Which pretty much sums everything up, I think.
1: So... I swear now. There's no way she could have known, but this book was scheduled to come out in the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. So, if you had to time a book that said "Why bother?" <laughs> yeah. to, to help you get your bother on,
0: <laughs> that was the
1: beginning of a well pandemic, planned. Yes, very <laughs> good timing on this one. Yeah. So, Jen is well-known in sort of those self-help circles because she started writing A Woman's Guide to Comfort.
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: think that's the book title. Sorry, Jen, if I got your book title wrong. Back in the early 1990s. So, I've known about her for a very long time. And she's written many books. She has a writing group. She really, really fosters a love of creativity. She has online groups called The Oasis where people can go and really get in touch with themselves and their voice. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy how she cultivates authors. But for her book, Why Bother? I thought it was a very vulnerable take at someone who on the outside to me looks like she's had a successful career and she does this and has online courses and all the things I would love to do someday. But even she got to a point in her life that was just, literally, I don't know why I'm caring about all the things that I don't feel like caring about anymore. Mm -hmm. And while I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis sounds so stereotypical, it certainly came up to the why do I care about the things that I care about? And how do I set my priorities? And how do I still live a life? I love living, but I I don't want to hurt people, but I want to stop doing some of the things I'm doing. And it's just a fascinating book. She has it out on Audible. So if you don't like to read it, you can certainly listen to it. She's got podcast interviews all over the place to hear even more. It's it's just one of those books that I found to be the comfort that I needed when no other voice was really working.
0: And this is one of the books that I purchased and am reading currently. And so far, I like it a lot. And it definitely, I mean, just the question, why bother, kind of shakes me at my core. Because it's a good question to ask yourself. Why are you doing X, Y, and Z? Why are you bothering with doing A, B, and C? And it kind of goes in line with reevaluating you know, what's going on in your life and why are you doing things that you really don't want to do when you could be spending that energy on things that you really desire and want to do. And in the book, she
1: talks a little bit about it more from pre-pandemic when maybe we were overthinking or we were living a life that wasn't truly ours or we found ourselves early in life doing the things that our parents or society expected of us, or so we thought. And then years later, the kids move out or you just don't find yourself enjoying it and you're overworked. And so the, the book doesn't talk about the pandemic, but if you just change the scenarios in it, it's exactly the same medicine for a different illness. Mm hmm. To me, it's one of those books that, again, her voice is that very gentle, soothing, none of this is easy, but this is how I figured it out type of story.
0: Yeah. Do you feel that this year specifically, do you feel that people are kind of being a little oversaturated with the self-help that, you know, the people that are the self-help people like Jen and Jill, um, you think it's like too much for people?
1: I've thought a lot about this question, so I really like that question, Kathy. (laughs) Not surprised? I think somehow the group that needs the self-help or even just the reassurance, so if you don't like the term self-help, we'll call it resources that could help you in the moment. While I feel like I listen to those types of authors like Jill and Jen, I can still turn around the very next minute and have a work conversation with someone who's never heard any of this. And in 2020, it's not like you can say, Oh, well, I'm never online. So there, there's something else blocking it because it's out there. It's the discoverability problem. I Mm -hmm. think is what, what really ends up happening because if you're not already in that circle you go oh my god where do i start everything is so overwhelming there's mm-hmm. so much stuff available that i think now when our capacity to process information is diminished it's very hard to look at 27 emails 64 websites yeah uh, 104 books coming out that all claim to be able to help you and your mind just cannot process new information
0: Yeah, especially if you feel like it's the same information being regurgitated, just in a different form and by a different person. And that's where I struggle sometimes. It's like, oh, okay, great, another self-help book. Let's see what they have to say, if it's the same thing. Because I don't want to read the same thing in a different context. It doesn't, that doesn't work for me. So that's kind of why I brought the question of, you know, the repetitive saturation of the message that's being delivered.
1: And I'm totally with you. I hate feeling like I've read the same self-help book over and over and over and over and over over again, just with different names and different covers on the front of the book. Again, I think that's why I went to act-based books, because they're not saying the same thing that other books are saying, for one. Two... I also learned to pay much more attention to my emotional connection with the author. So when self-help books are written from that distant voice, that you are having a problem. And when you have the thought that that's distancing me from you. Hmm, Interesting. When the book is written, we have this problem as as living, caring, thinking human beings, this is what's normal for us. That's what I'm now very sensitive to listening to in the book. So these books that, although you matter, sounds right. more like that distance one. Um, it's actually not written in that voice at all. It is written as we are all in the same boat together. Some of us just may know how to use the oars better than others. Mm-hmm. And here, let me show you how to use the oars and we can row together versus the person who sits up at the front of the boat and dictates to everybody else how they should row. But they're not doing any of the rowing themselves.
0: Right. No, I love that. I love that. And I think that's basically what it comes down to is that it's not that you don't have oars to use because we all have the oars. It's just whether you know how to use them in a way that's going to benefit you
1: and and to take that analogy to even a little bit more extreme length when you're a kid you look at the and you go this is too hard Mm -hmm. many times people grow up thinking well this is all too hard and I don't know how to do it and I can't do it and I think once we're an adult and we can relearn some of these coping skills that from another peer who's willing to sit next to you not across from you, not at a distance from you, but right next to you, put your put their hands on your hands and help you learn how to row your own boat. It can be the same information but presented differently that makes all the difference.
0: That's pretty awesome. I like that. I like having conversations with you because you make me think differently. And it's just a great back and forth. And, and I really like that. I really like that a lot.
1: Well, I love your questions because it makes me think of things I've never come up with the or analogy, but now I've got to use it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're great with those analogies. I need to work on that. Is there a book on how to create analogies that are profound and, uh, clever?
1: Yes. It's called the big book of act metaphors. And it's actually by Dr. Jill Stoddard.
0: Oh, so there is a book out there.
1: There is a book on that, of course.
0: (laughs) Oh, why didn't I question that? Yeah. (laughs) So is there one book, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because I didn't really discuss this beforehand, but is there one book that covers um, ACT in a way that for people who aren't familiar with ACT that can kind of dip their toe into
1: So the book that I most often recommend is called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. No relation. I can only wish.
0: (laughs) And you had him on your podcast, right?
1: I did. I had him on my podcast. Um, He is one of the he definitely has the most prolific act writing career other than Dr. Steve Hayes, but uh, Dr. Hayes, is one of the co-founders of ACT, writes clinical and for laypeople. Russ specifically has a lot of books that even if they're written for clinicians, a motivated layperson could totally read that. But the happiness trap is for people who have no interest in getting too deep into it. They just want to learn some handy tools. There's even the illustrated guide to the happiness trap. So if, again, your capacity for information is very low right now, you can look at the pictures. But I really think The Happiness Trap is the most accessible book on this different way of thinking. If you read self-help books and you feel like you've read the same self-help book, but 20 times over, give The Happiness Trap a try.
0: And also go listen to Leanne's episode with him, because that will definitely get you on the track as well to understanding Act a little bit more. Highly recommend that. So the four books that were discussed, just as a recap, is You Matter, Learning to Love Who You Really Are, and that's Matthew Emmerzian, Uh and the next one is Why Bother by Jen Loudon, Be Mighty by Jill Stoddard, and The Power of Small by Eisling Leonard Curtin and Trish Leonard Curtin. Well, thank you so much, Leanne. This has been awesome. I wish we could talk for another two hours about this stuff, but I'm definitely going to have you on next year if you're available and you're not out on the, you know, circuit, podcast circuit worldwide.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not holding my breath on that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you and me both.
1: But no, thank you, Kathy. It is always fun to talk to you. And I, I love talking books and, and
0: I love talking to you. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Sarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash women who sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbassiani.